Good morning, everyone. My name is Dennis Stewart, and I am here for the Wisdom Seekers class. The title of this class is Hard Times Ahead, but not for us. The reason I've entitled the um, session that today is because in the middle of hard times, we have peace, we have glory, we have assurance that God will take us through anything that he allows to come across our path. He will give us victory over. And I want to just reference some things with COVID-19, <laughs> as if you haven't heard enough about it already. <clears throat> I did get a haircut yesterday. It had been over 90 days, I think, since I'd have a haircut. But I didn't want you to think that I had somebody else up here giving my lesson for me. So I did get a haircut yesterday and uh, introduced myself once again to my barber of 35 years. <laughs> I, I uh, told him that I was feeling a little cold as he cut the hair off in the back and the sides. But because of COVID-19 and the shelter in place that's been going on, our economy has taken a dip and, and it's taken a hit that is like an other, uh, no other. And a fast churn down. We have dropped in our economy and stock and stock market and assets like gravity on Jupiter. I mean, it has dropped fast. And it's going to produce hard times. And that's why I wanted to say, but not for us. Um, consumers are having a financially difficult time everywhere. People are afraid. They are depressed and even distressed. Things are happening that have never happened before. Well, just last week, I got a pre-declined credit card in the mail. <laughs> Why? Why'd you even send it to me then? <laughs> Why would they do that to me, just to depress me? Uh, but it's bad all over. You can see what's happening. My friend Jack up there, <laughs> I'm holding on just fine. I'm doing good. How's everybody else doing? <laughs> and we're keeping a stiff upper lip. Large companies are having big problems. ExxonMobil, for example, big, big company. Their stock has been dropping. And uh, about half of what it used to be. They've already had to lay off 25 congressmen. <laughs> and so it's tough on them having these problems. Uh, everybody's having these troubles. I met a <clears throat> Mormon guy just last week, and he only had one wife. It's terrible economy. Just terrible. <clears throat> My neighbor got so depressed that he called the suicide hotline. And uh, when, he when he was connected to the suicide hotline, it turned out to be a call center in Pakistan. <laughs> and he's, 
when he told him that he was suicidal, they got very excited and they asked him if he could drive a truck. So if you go somewhere for relief, you're not going to get it. It's, it's got to come from his word. It's got to from from the Holy Spirit, from God himself. And uh, if that's all, all of that is not enough, then what we have to realize, too, is that they're telling us that things are going to get a lot worse before they get better. It seems as though our favorite places may never open up again. And as Christians, trials, tribulations, and hard times, we need to realize that they actually cause us to grow. We grow during hard times. Our spirit is able to take a stand and to grow during these hard times. Believe it or not, we grow spiritually in hard times, much more so than we grow in the good times. Our spirits can flourish when our fleshly appetites are deprived of what we only thought was satisfying and fulfilling. That's when our spirits soar. Like these police fellows here, <laughs> something that you thought was going to satisfy you deprived of. Our minds and emotions become fed more by the Holy Spirit in hard times than by the things we often see and think about that are of this world. Paul wrote about this, and uh, what he wrote is so beautiful that I, I want to just spend a minute on that, um, especially in the beginning. Romans 5, verse 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's such a beautiful word, uh, verse. We have peace of God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you look at many of our Bible translations, you'll also see you'll often see a paragraph heading right above that verse. In fact, those that group of five verses, and it may some, say something like, "Being justified by faith," or "We are justified by faith," or something like that as a heading for that group of verses. No greater gift has ever been given to us than being justified by faith. How do we get through a hard time? Romans 5, verse 1, that says it all. Um, we cannot have peace with God while under the guilt of sin. That guilt is gone when we are justified by faith in Jesus Christ. It's gone. We therefore have peace with God the Father through Christ. And part of me says we can just stop right here because there's nothing greater than being justified by faith. That's it. Thank you for coming and tuning in. Bye-bye now. Have a good day. We're finished. Part of me wants to say that's it. That is the answer right there, verse 1.
Romans 5, verse 1. But God doesn't stop there. He keeps speaking through Paul. Verse 2 and through verse 5 is, is what we'll cover today. And so he continued, and because he continued, then we'll continue also. Um, but part of me says, that's it. We can stop right there. Verse 2. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We're not born into this state of grace. It didn't happen because we were born. We're not in this state of grace because something happened when we were a baby. We got sprinkled with something. That's not when it happened. I'll stop right there. <laughs> it happened when we gave our heart and soul and life to Jesus Christ. That's when we became born into this state of grace. The greater, the great mediator between God and man, Jesus Christ has brought us to this state of justification. And we stand. And standing... I love that part of this verse, we stand. And standing means we have persevered. We're not crawling, <laughs> we're standing. It means we have persevered. We have continued. We have endured because of his grace. Verse 3, and not only so, but we glory, we rejoice in tribulation. We'll talk more about that in just a couple of minutes. Glory and tribulation seems uh, counterintuitive, doesn't it? It seems as though people aren't going to glory in, in, in um, tribulations. So we'll talk more about that. But also knowing that tribulation worketh patience. That word worketh there means accomplishes. Tribulation accomplishes patience. Let's talk about patience. And patience accomplishes experience. This experience is, is what provides the proof and establishes trust in our Father and He in us during a hard time. And experience hope. This experience ex establishes and accomplishes hope within our hearts. It gives us an expectation. It gives us a com and a confidence that whatever lies be ahead, we are now a proven product of Christ, our Lord. We have gone through. We are successful. There may have been failures, but we have gone through, and Christ has forgiven our failures. And we stand in his grace, not because of our strength, but because we're standing in our faith in him. And hope maketh not ashamed. It means we're not confused. We're not dishonored. We're not, we're not confused about who he is and where we are and what our status is, because hope maketh not ashamed. It's, we're not confused. Because the love of God 
is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. That's Romans 5, 1 through 5. I want to talk about this a little in, in more detail here, and I put a chart, thank you, Scott, up there on the screen. In verse 3, once again, it says, Tribulation worketh patience, means it accomplishes patience. Let's look at this tribulation column first. It's the one in blue, and we'll read straight down. Tribulations. Tribulations. Philipsis. Philipsis. <laughs> if you're going to say that three times fast, bring a towel. Philipsis. It's from Philippo. Philip. Flibo, or Flibo. Another word that's translated from tribulations is pressure. Pressure talks about either literal or figurative. To be crowded in. Has anyone felt crowded in during shelter in place? Pressure, crowded in. Afflicted. There's pain or suffering associated with the problems that you're having when you're afflicted. Afflicted is the effect of having trouble. Pain and suffering is part of that. Anguish. That means there's also severe mental or physical pain or suffering. All of these are translated from that word, uh, which is used as tribulation here in Romans 5 verse 3. Burdened, having hardship or distress. Persecution, also one of the words translated. Receiving hostility and ill treatment is what persecution is. And trouble, trouble, difficulty, especially mentally. When we're having trouble, we're in trouble, there's difficulty. It's especially mental difficulty. All of these things are translated from that one word, flipsis, tribulations in this case. That's what tribulation is. That's what it does. That's what we feel. That's who we are during a time of tribulation. Why would we glory in it? Why would we rejoice? Who wants to live through that? I'm mentioning all of that first, and I'm doing that because if anyone is Been triumphant over all of that. Give me a call, will you? Tell me something I don't know, will you please? Here's what happens when we are suffering or when we are in the midst of tribulation. Something is accomplished spiritually because we reach out, because we know we need more strength than what we have, because we depend upon God the Father through his Son. And we know we can stand in grace <clears throat> and kneel to nothing else but him 
but to stand strong in him. On those other three columns that are to the right, let's take them one at a time because it flows so naturally and beautifully here. Tribulation accomplishes patience. So when we have tribulation, here is what's happening in our spirit. And as it happens in our spirit, it happens to ourselves, our personalities, our outlook, our strength, our attitudes. Patience, that word hippomone from hippomeno. Cheerfulness, noticeably happy and optimistic. You mean tribulation causes that? It does in our spirit. Noticeably happy and optimistic. And then it flows out of us. But it happens in our spirit first. What else is accomplished in tribulation? Hopeful. We become hopeful. We begin to feel optimism about the future events in our lives. We become hopeful about what's going to happen. We build endurance. That's another thing that happens. Withstanding an unpleasant or difficult process or a situation without giving way. There's a constancy beginning to take place. Being faithful and dependable in the hard time. There's a constancy in our spiritual walk. Enduring means long-lasting. All of these words are translated from those Greek words. Continuance. The state of remaining in existence or operation. There's continuance in our stand with Christ that we don't have in other times. That's what's happening in tribulation. Patience, cheerfulness, hopefulness, endurance, constancy, enduring, constance, continuance. And when we begin to, to accomplish these things because of the spirit that is within us is accomplishing these things in us, it becomes visible. Here's what happens next. That produces experience. This is right out of the word. Tribulation accomplishes patience, and patience accomplishes experience. What about this experience? Those words, uh, uh, decome, okay, from decomos, test. Experience, it's a test. It's either abstract or concrete, but it's a test to establish the quality and performance before it is taken into widespread use. There's a test. Anybody that goes to school knows there's a test, right? <laughs> they want to know if you can do it. They want to know if you understand it. They want to know if you can respond. Why would it be different in the spiritual world? We're beginning, we're given a test. It, we call it a trial. We call it a hard time. We call it something we don't want to go through, right? It's a test. And it's a test that is going to establish the quality of our performance before our performance is put to widespread use. 
trustiness. Yeah, that really is a word. <laughs> trustiness. I don't think I'd ever used that word before. It really is a word, trustiness. I like my wife because of her, she is so trustiness. I'll have to think about that a little more before I use it in a sentence. Trustiness, reliable, faithful, that's trustiness. Another word is experiment, to demonstrate a known fact. We are demonstrating what we know in the spirit when we're having this trial. It, this tribulation produced patience, and this experience allows us to demonstrate something we already thought we knew, which says that we could be faithful. And not only that, but that we knew that God was faithful. God's on the other side of this test. Just like we're on our side of this test, he's on the other side. He is proving himself to us as we prove who we are through him. Proof, another word in that from Tacome. Establish a, a fact or a truth statement. Proof. Experience is establishment of proof of who we are and how strong we are and what we can do and perhaps what we cannot do yet. Proof. Trial. We, <laughs> that's the most familiar one. We all call it a trial, don't we? Well, a trial is an examination of evidence, proof of endurance in this case, or it's a trial. So if tribulation causes patience, which um, creates the cheerfulness and accomplishes the endurance and all the rest of it and becomes an experience, what does the experience do? Experience gives us hope. Hope. Help us from elbow. Hope. Another, another word there is anticipate. Usually with pleasure. Prediction. To regard as probable. Another word is expectation. Our experience gives us an expectation. Abstract or concrete, again, belief that something will happen. Because of my experience in him, I believe that something is going to happen. And I have faith for it. I've prayed about it, and I trust, and I know it's going to happen because he has proven himself to me over and over again. And I pray that in his strength... I can prove myself worthy as his servant in him during this time or any other time. Another word is confidence. It's reliance on someone or something. A firm trust. A firm trust. Faith is another word that comes from this elpis. Complete trust is faith. Complete trust or confidence. It's a strong belief in God. I love this. Based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof. 
How do you prove faith? <laughs> I don't know. You prove it by what you do, of course. You prove it by what you're thinking, what you're believing, and all of that. But how do you prove it to somebody else? You live it. So there's a point where there's a spiritual appreh apprehension, okay, rather than proof. And it's just as real to us as if we have already experienced something. That was the proof. Remember, proof was experience. <clears throat> I have apprehended. Doesn't mean I have apprehension. Okay, I have apprehended. I have taken. I have acquired spiritual apprehension. Okay, it's mine. Before I have proof. So I've had an experience, but it leads to greater faith. Tribulation accomplishes patience. And patience, which establishes trust, and trust builds confidence. And confidence is the faith that we have in him. That's what happens in the hard times. That's it. That is what happens. So I love this part of Paul, uh, uh, of Romans that Paul has written. It just, <clears throat> and it seems appropriate during this time and so many other times where we've experienced difficulties. But I don't want to overemphasize this period we're going through as a difficulty. I see it more as an inconvenience. It's a valley. It's been described as a valley. It is. It's an inconvenience. I've had money. I've not had money. I like having money more. <laughs> not having is an inconvenience, right? But you get through. You get by. They're telling us that this COVID-19 and what it's done for the uh, to the economy is going to affect far more people in far more wa uh, worse ways than what the pandemic did. So whatever is going to happen because of this, much of it is yet to come. Perhaps 80% of it is yet to come. Who knows what percentage, but it's a large portion that we haven't seen yet that's going to happen because of what's going on right now. We must make a choice to identify and accept the things that God intends for us to go through that are actually for the purpose of our spiritual growth and our benefit. Things we go through are for our spiritual growth and benefit. Thank you. You know, when I was uh, <clears throat> 17, uh, I looked different from one thing. <laughs> I joined the Navy. And I was a senior in high school at the time. It was November early November, and so I went to reserve 
meetings all my senior year and all the way through college, actually, but all through my senior year. And, and um, if you know my father, or if you don't, let me tell you about him. He was great. I loved him. I still miss him. It's been 24 years since he passed. He was a tough love kind of guy. And uh, he wanted to see his son accomplish himself things that he needed to accomplish during hard times rather than he as the dad stepping in and taking care of it. After all, he thought, why would a, what would he learn if I take care of everything? I want him to take care of it. And I don't know anybody who didn't like my dad. Um, I'm not sure he would have cared. <laughs> but he was a naval officer, and he was a tough officer as well. And there was, for the first time, I met someone who hated my father. And he had been disciplined severely, harshly, what this guy thought was unfairly for something he did. And so transferred after that, transferred to another night, which was my night. <laughs> and he was a boatswain's mate. A boatswain's mate is one who's probably bigger than everybody else, and he was. And he's the one who does the hard work on the ships. And when he heard that I was Commander Stewart's son, he lit up like a Christmas tree. His, his prayers had been answered. I don't know who he was praying to, but this was get even time. And when he confirmed that I was, in fact, his son, I got the worst duty ever. Ever. Whatever was going on, I got the worst of it. For that whole senior year, I mean, he put it to me. And it hadn't been very long, a few nights, until I uh, said something for my, to my dad. I, I said, you know, I didn't think anybody hated you, but I've been convinced somebody does. <laughs> and as a result, they hate me. What's happening? And I told him. All because you're my, yeah, that's it. And no other reason, yeah, that's right. Are you doing what he said, yeah. I'm doing what he said to do. And you're going to continue to, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna. And he looked at me like, why are we having this conversation? <laughs> I said, I'm just telling you, Dad, it's, it's really, it's hard. He looked at me, and, and when he would look at me and not say anything, I knew something was coming that was going to be tr <laughs> a, a, a pivot point. He said, if you ever get to a place where you can't take it anymore, come and tell me. Now, I knew that he knew that I was never going to tell my father 
that I couldn't take it anymore. We never had another conversation about it. And I took it all the way through. He wanted me to be the overcomer. He wasn't going to step in. In another way, our Savior, Christ the Lord, is our assistant in many cases. By his Holy Spirit, he gives us the strength to endure. He gives us the strength to do what he has allowed to come across our path. And although he's in charge, and although he could step in anytime he wants to step in, he gives us power through the Holy Spirit. There have been many times since that day that I have thought about my conversation with Dad, and I have seen a spiritual connection there of someone who could step in for me but decided that I needed to learn something. You know what? I didn't rejoice in my tribulation. <laughs> I didn't. But looking back on it, I'm now glad it happened because it built a fortitude in me that I probably wouldn't have had otherwise. Christ is all, and God is all, excuse me, God is all about the journey, isn't he? He builds fortitude. He builds backbone in us. And if it's not there, he allows things to happen that start to put it there. He wants his servants standing, not crawling. He wants his servants eating meat, not drinking milk. He wants us to grow up. He wants us to be strong and to stand and face the world with confidence in tribulation to accomplish patience and from patience to accomplish experience and experience hope and to grow in this way knowing that when we overcome these things with his strength, we are learning far more in our spiritual walk than if he just steps in and takes care of it. I hope you agree with that. He does. I've got a glass up here. You've all seen this. Is the glass half full or half empty? And you know that the optimist will look at the glass and he'll say, that glass is half full. Pessimist will look at the very same glass and he'll say, that glass is half empty. And then there's always some of those other people that look at the very same glass and they say to themselves, that glass is twice as big than what it has to be. I don't know how to help them. <laughs> I don't know what to do about that. God is teaching us optimism, spiritual optimism. 
that becomes optimism, optimism in our emotions, in our everyday conversation, and in our walk, our attitudes. Our present situation is really just an inconvenience. It is not a crisis. It is not. It just isn't. There's another slide that you'll see up there shortly. There it is. Dennis Semenis says, can't we go to a restaurant? I'm sick and tired of eating groceries. Well, he doesn't realize it, but he gets groceries at the restaurant too, doesn't he? <coughs> um, it's an inconvenience. You know, the one of the things we need to do is laugh at the enemy. And the things that he throws at us, we need to learn to laugh at that. We need to know how to be noticeably cheerful in our tribulation. Personally, I know I can look at the time we spend shelter in place as a good experience, or we can look at it as a bad experience. Are you closer to the ones you love, or have you had it up to here with them and everything else that has to do with this experience? See that conversation with the two ladies up there? One of them says, where's your husband in the garden? I didn't see him. You need to dig a little. <laughs> they didn't all... The two of them didn't make them through the pandemic. <laughs> okay. One of them did, not the other one. Many people have come have become uh, conditioned to be afraid. Conditioned to be afraid. Imagine that. And this is why this is so important. This is not the first thing that's supposed to kill us. It just isn't. We have other things. That's hard to see. In 1999 and 2000, Y2K was going to kill us all. You remember that? Here we are. 2001, anthrax was going to kill us. Every single year, something was going to kill us. Next year, West Nile virus is going to kill us. Then SARS is going to kill us. Then bird flu is going to kill us. Then E. coli is going to kill us. The economy is so bad that we're all going to die. Swine flu is going to kill us. BP oil is going to kill us all. Obamacare is going to kill us all. Mayan end of the world is going to kill us all. North Korea is going to bomb and kill us all. Ebola is going to kill us all. The Disney measles, they're going to spread, and ISIS is going to kill us all. 2016, Zika is going to kill us all. Every single year in 2000, Zika is going to kill us all. Fake news is going to kill us all. Migrant caravans are going to kill us all. Measles is going to kill us all. That happened again 
and then 2020, the coronavirus was going to kill us all. Stop. Stop. It's not going to kill us all. We serve a God that's in control. We don't have any reason to be afraid of anything. But there is in the world people who for 20 years have been afraid of every one of these things. God help them. Not Christians. Hard times, not for us. Not for us. We have victory in our spirits, in our hearts. We have victory. I feel um, very fortunate. Blessing has come my way. In the midst of all of this, I've gotten to spend precious days with a person I love more than anyone else in the world. How about that? Um, my bride and I have spent... We have never, ever spent so much 24-7 time with each other as we have these last two months. And we've been married for almost 49 years. I traveled a lot, business, all of those things. We've never spent this much time together, 24-7. That's a blessing. Romans 5, 1 through 5, teaches us optimism in the natural and in the spiritual. What happens when this pandemic and inconvenience is over? Will we have become better, closer to Christ, or will we have some things to repent for? The purpose is for us to have been come, to become closer to become stronger, to become wiser. I believe we should be learning the importance of knowing and living Romans 5, 1 through 5, at the time the world is presenting all of its challenges, not just when I'm looking back at the experience. But when we look at the back of the experience, we've got to look at it in that way. But what God, the whole, through the Holy Spirit and Paul's writing, I believe, is teaching us is that we are to look at it during the experience as rejoicing, knowing what he is accomplishing in us right now, right now. All of those things. Patience, endurance, experience. Hope. For this particular time in our lives, these verses tell me that we as saints have a peace with God no matter what else is happening around us. Because our peace has nothing to do with the world. Our peace comes from God through Christ by way of the Holy Spirit. Christ gives us to each of us access to God's grace because of his sacrifice. Therefore, we stand strong and we rejoice in confidence 
knowing the promises of God are eternal and are meeting with him in all of his glory is just on the horizon. Whatever this, whatever we think tribulation is, people have their own definitions. Whatever you think it is, this ain't it. This ain't it. Uh-uh. Whatever you think hard times are, this ain't it. It's not. But we should learn to glory now in this COVID-19 event so that when the real hard times come, the tribulation of life comes, then we are more prepared for those times. If the real tribulation comes in our time, that's when we really need to be prepared. But the hard times come to all of us and we'll see more. If the last 20 years are any example, there's probably going to be one every year. Nobody likes hard times. But even in these moments of inconvenience, we are being instructed to glory in what these times are accomplishing in our spiritual walk with God through Jesus Christ. Our difficulties, our tribulations are producing endurance, patience. They're producing continuance and even cheerfulness in Christ that has nothing to do with the world. This experience is providing proof by way of a test or a trial completed successfully and is creating a greater trust or hope, a greater anticipation, a greater expectation, and faith in our God and his care for us. This expectation and confidence, this hope that we have ensures that we are not confused, we are not embarrassed about our complete trust in God. We don't have to be quiet about it. We don't have to duck our head. We stand. We stand strong. I'm not confused one bit, are you? Why? Because the love of God is now simply gushing out of us in the midst of our present difficulty, our inconvenience. The Holy Spirit is giving us cheerfulness. Cheerfulness. He's giving us more endurance. He's given us confidence and constancy during this experiment, this trial, and proving us for a more widespread use. That's what's going on now. We're being proven 
for a more widespread use. God is also giving us greater anticipation, expectation, confidence, and faith to step forward into greater things for him. Greater than what we've ever seen before. With a confidence, a faith, and a knowing. An apprehension of faith that doesn't require proof in the natural. It's in here. Knowing that whatever comes, he has made us ready to stand in his grace and to stand to the world to say, God's in control. God's in control. I don't care what's happening. My joy comes from him. Romans 5, 5, to repeat. And hope maketh not ashamed. It's not confused. It's not embarrassed. Because the love of God is shed, a kale is pouring out of gushing out of us, shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us, proving us ready for a more widespread use. Father, we thank you for all that you do for us every day, and especially today, especially now, especially during these times. We ask you, Lord, that you would give us um, a renewed confidence in you. We ask you that you would teach us during this time and that we would be open to learn what you want us to learn during these times that we think are hard, but really just an inconvenience. Lord, we pray your blessing upon each family, your blessing upon each church, your blessing upon each individual in this network. In Jesus' precious name we pray, oh Lord. Amen.